Welcome everybody to the Dear Younger Me podcast. Um, thank you for being here. This is the place, this is the place for the strength and the inspiration, especially from our guest today. She's so awesome. You guys are gonna oh. <laughs> um, really get a lot of value and benefit from listening. Um, uh, but yeah, this is a podcast, especially for youth who can hopefully benefit from the stories and experiences shared on here and, but really for anyone. And so, but I'm so pumped today. Um, I'm your host, by the way, TJ Fahmausili, and we have Addie in the building today. Hey, with us. thanks for having me. <laughs> so pumped to have her. Um, Addie has some awesome experiences and grateful um, you know, that she's willing to come on here and share some of her life with us. And I know that we're all going to be, uh, find some great value in what she shares. And so Addie grew up in Payson, Utah. She claims New Mexico as her home, but her heart is in both. Her heart is in Utah and Payson. Um, Addie, do you want to share a little bit about that? Just growing up and what was that, what that was like? Uh, yeah of course so yeah I moved around a lot especially like when I was first in like real school um I started Head Start which is kind of like preschool in Payson Utah I do remember that and that was interesting Payson's a pretty small town everybody knows everybody it's just a little tiny southern town of Utah um but when I was about five years old we moved to my family and I moved to Nevada where I started kindergarten and my sister was born at that point we're about two and a half years apart I'm the oldest of four siblings and I love them but also then after living in Nevada for a few years like maybe like a year and a half um, finally moved to New Mexico and went to another kindergarten in New Mexico and then I started <laughs> first grade in New Mexico <laughs> So I've been through, that, I went through a lot of moves. Was that pretty, what was that like for you? Like, were you ever upset when you're moving or was it just like, okay, whatever, let's go? Or, or you're so young too, was, so maybe. I yeah, know. I think I was just too young to like really understand like how, like how different it would be for me to move from Utah to Nevada to New Mexico. Um, so honestly, like for me, all I have are like just good memories of having good friends and especially being a member of the church, like you just find family everywhere through the church, yeah. you know, like it's a community yeah, of true. growth and love. Like you can, church is home. You can find anyone there. You can find yeah. a friend. I love so that. that was always love like that. definitely a blessing in my life. Cause I grew up with these amazing friends who I'm still friends with, even after not having seen them for 15 years. Um, so that was awesome for me, but yeah, it was definitely interesting, like starting a new school in first grade and being in New Mexico where there's not a huge member population, like being a member of the church in New Mexico is very different than being a member of the church in Utah because there yeah. isn't oh, I bet. as much of that culture here. It's very, there's a huge, um, population of Catholicism which is really beautiful and oh, wow. there's a lot of other Christian faiths here there's it's just there's a lot of um just a lot of different ethnicities that live in New Mexico so many different languages so many different backgrounds and cultures that just combine in New Mexico 
And I'm really grateful that I grew up here instead of Utah because that gave me more perspective and really helped me to just be like, okay, how can I find a place when I'm different? I'm not, I'm not like them. I'm a member yeah. of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and I stand out because I walk across the street during high school to go to seminary. Who, who are these kids who walk across the street during high school to go yeah. to seminary? What is seminary? So that was definitely different when, um, and then I'd go back home to Utah to see my cousins and like everyone there is a member of the church. Almost everyone, your next door neighbor, there's temples everywhere. You're just, that's where so many members of the church are. <laughs> yeah, that's so nice. That that's cool. You're kind of, you're, yeah, my, my seminary kids here in, um, here in Utah, they, they call it the Utah bubble. Yeah. They, you know, sometimes it's tough, uh, grow and friends and friends who have moved out of Utah or even friends that grew up here, they talk about the, right. The, the Utah bubble. And so it's kind of nice. You're able to kind of break out and see that, right. see that diversity and from yeah. in Nevada. And, um, so Addie is also a, a cosmetologist and yeah. so this is cool I was excited to put this in here but Addie's a cosmetologist but also worked at Jiffy Lube for was it two years or more than two, two years and a half. two and a half two and a half years and so yeah. I love it because it kind of breaks the you know she's not just and not to stereotype uh hair girls you know but she's not just <laughs> like the you know the typical hair girl but she's also willing to you know roll up the sleeves and work on those cars and everything and so I thought that was pretty cool a little contrast there <laughs> I know two very different trades very different <laughs> lines of work that's for sure it'd be funny if you were doing them like in the same well you're probably were you doing those would you do hair stuff and jiffy lube like in the same day sometimes or that's crazy I, the like same like week, I was working at jiffy lube when I started cosmetology school so I would literally be a hairstylist Monday through Wednesday and a car mechanic Thursday through Friday, like Saturday. <laughs> like, I'd be out there getting greasy and dirty and working on these cars with all these other dudes. And I was the only girl there and I learned a lot. It was an amazing opportunity. It was an awesome job. It was so fun. Oh my gosh. I can't even tell you like wow. the jokes and just working with a bunch of crazy guys. Like it was so fun. And then oh my gosh. also like it kind of helped to contrast because like hair school, that's like almost all girls. Like there was a few barbers that were there or like a few guys, like literally like four guys. But they're probably Femi and no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. But. I, <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, but actually, no, the guys that I went to hair school with were all pretty straight. <laughs> they, um, they all went to be <laughs> barbers. So they were, they were pretty cool to get, like, it was cool to have them there too, because we could learn from them. And yeah. it was interesting to see like, wow, because I'm a female and I've had long hair for the most of my life, like I actually know how to brush hair. And then there's this guy over here who doesn't know how to hold a hairbrush. Like mm -hmm. what? <laughs> it's just something I grew up with. And so that was interesting to be like immersed in this like super feminine culture of a school where it's cosmetology yeah. school, lots of females. It's a female driven industry. Um, but there's also an like a ton of amazing male figures in that industry who are mm -hmm. phenomenal 
but then the contrast where I would be working at Jiffy Lube and I was the only girl there and there's all Mm. these men working with me it was just very different it was like I was leading two separate lives for a little while not really (laughs) it's the same person everywhere I went but it was a fun contrast it definitely gave me like perspective and growth and helped me learn a lot of different skills yeah that's cool it's kind of like a superhero like uh (laughs) like Batman you know where he's uh or Iron Man where they're like or Superman you know just having uh where they kind of live those two different lives like billionaire uh philanthropist (laughs) and then superhero I don't know which one would be which for you but (laughs) I don't know either (laughs) I I wish I could call myself a superhero that's awesome (laughs) you're a superhero too (laughs) um and so so also um you're planning on so you've got a mission you've got a mission call and you've got your mission I totally um, do coming up talking talking to that just where you're going and and when it is but also more context um yeah I guess for the listeners it's kind of unique for you right kind of the situation that you're in yeah it's very unique and I feel like it's happening a lot more lately than people really realize or has been happening a lot more often than we would think um so I have wanted to serve a mission since I heard about the age change in general conference I remember hearing them announce like females can serve as early as 19 and males as early as 18 and you can serve a full-time mission and I was like what I can be 19 years old and serving a mission and that's amazing like what that's so cool so that's kind of like where I got the idea and I was like okay my mom served a mission and my dad served a mission I'm the oldest it'd be so cool to be the first one in my family to serve a mission and be that example to my siblings. That'd be so cool. My plan isn't always perfect and God's timing is perfect. And that's what I had to learn kind of the hard way. Um, So when I was 15, um, my parents separated for the first time and it was really hard. I was a freshman in high school. I was the oldest. I had to lead this example for my siblings. And I also had to grow up super quick because my parents were struggling and my parents are supposed to be perfect. Like what is happening? Like they've been married for 22 years. Why, why, why is this happening to me? Um, but they got back together for a little bit and tried to work it out for the last two years of my high school career. Um, unfortunately they still did finalize their divorce in May of 2018 and still kind of fresh. It's been four years now. Um, but I learned a lot. And when I was 15, I feel so blessed to have gotten the opportunity to get my patriarchal blessing. And that was a guiding light for me. That really helped me to align myself with God's will and to just really focus myself on like, what do I need to work on so that I can serve a mission so that I can be temple worthy and be the person who I would love to be. Um, So that I think really pushed me hard, even even though my parents were struggling, even though my dad chose to choose a different path in this life, made it really difficult, Um, especially watching my dad struggle because he was my rock. I loved my dad and he's he was like my best friend growing up. I knew him my whole life and to watch him make some difficult decisions and hard choices that I was like, 
I don't understand. You grew up as a member of this church, a member of this beautiful community, and a member knowing of Christ's love, and you're choosing to give that up? Why? So that was really hard, just being able to witness that and see the difference in him when he wasn't doing his best. And that kind of like pushed me even harder to be like, man, he's missing out on a lot because he's choosing differently. But I know that Jesus is my, is the Christ. He's my savior. He's my brother. He's my best friend. He brings so much peace, so much joy and so much hope. And yeah, I love that. Thank you so much, Addie, for being open um, and, and sharing those things with us. I, I'd love to just ask you, um, I'm sure that we'll have some listeners, you know, who are going through some similar things, um, yeah. dealing with divorce while they're in high school or struggling with a parent. I guess I'd love to ask you, I mean, what, and, and you shared some, but just to, to, to make it clear, uh, what, what were some of the things that helped you stay strong and maintain uh, a good perspective? And then just kind of what advice would you give to your younger self or to someone who's going through these things right now? Yeah, that's a really great question. Really great question. Like, um, honestly, uh, it was hard and it's going to be hard. Parents are supposed to be your example. They're supposed to lead that life that, that you want to emulate, you know? Um, so for me, when I watched my parents struggle and I realized like, oh geez, this, could, this is really happening. Like this isn't, this isn't fake. This isn't like, aha, just kidding. We're not getting divorced. Like that was just a joke. They really did. They really got a divorce and they really were imperfect people. And that's life. Um, and it's really hard to kind of like step back and be like, okay, I know who I am, sort of, because I was 15 at the time. I was a freshman in high school, still learning myself, still growing. I was barely starting my high school career. And that's a hard time. Like you're trying to, you're still kind of going through puberty. You're still trying to learn who your friends are and who you should trust. And, mm -hmm. and then you see your parents struggling and you're like, what? Like, you're supposed to be the example. You're supposed to be there for me. And you can't even be there for each other. That's hard. So as I watched my parents struggle, I, I mean, there was a lot of emotions that I didn't know how to, I didn't have the vocabulary to label them, to acknowledge them or be self-aware and be like, man, I'm really struggling right now. Or why am I so sad? Why am I so scared? Why do I feel so much fear? And now, like growing up, I realized that's anxiety, that's depression, and that happens. And it's just a part of life. Everyone experiences a small portion of it throughout their lives. I feel like it would be really abnormal if you didn't experience some form of anxiety. Um, and anxiety takes many forms, too. I want to talk about that a little bit. Like anxiety could just be like, you know, the little butterflies you get in your stomach before you give a presentation or before you talk to someone new or before you talk to that cute boy in your class. Anxiety takes many different forms or mm -hmm. it can be, oh, I'm feeling really sick. Like I'm really scared to go to school. I'm really nervous about this test and I feel like I can't take it. I feel like I'm going to throw up. 
that can be anxiety too. And I experienced both of those um, and then varying levels of it as I grew up. But like watching my parents struggle, I really struggled with anxiety and feeling self-confidence and feeling my own self and loving myself because I saw my parents not love each other. Um, so I think the best advice I could give is, okay, number one, find good friends. That is so important. And the way I was able to find good friends and good examples was through seminary and it was through the church. And I feel so blessed to have been able to go to early morning seminary those first two years of high school, even though I had to wake up at 5 a.m. just to get ready. And I was like, man, I am not feeling it today. I'm so tired. Like, why am I here? But I was there. Yeah, I was there. I went and I tried. And that's what matters. And that's what, that's all that God cares about. Like he just wants you to be there. Yeah, I love that. So I think seminary really helped me um, find those good friends, find the people that I could trust because it's so hard to trust people, especially in high school. There's like so many people who are finding themselves out and sometimes they'll back, stab you in the back and be sorry about it later, but it's just hard. High school's hard. Um, so that's where I found like true peace and true solace, even when I wasn't necessarily paying attention during class. Like I'd just be sitting there kind of like dozing yeah. off, like maybe like answering a few questions because the teacher would call on me. Um, yeah, just like any normal person at, it was my at, at that early, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of hard to want to be studying scriptures at six in the morning. <laughs> it's not necessarily something super fun for a high school kid. Um, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's amazing and it's what you make of it, really. It's your choice. Um, but that's really where I found my sanctuary was throughout seminary. And then later, my junior and senior year of high school, we got release time seminary. And that was the best because <laughs> then we were the cool kids walking across the street, going to the church, going to seminary and getting to see these amazing teachers and seeing our friends from church and being able to say, bye, high school. I'm going to take a break from the world and I'm going to learn about Christ I'm going to see my friends and I'm going to see this awesome seminary teacher who I love and trust. And it was my refuge. It was my safe space, um, especially when home couldn't feel very safe. It felt hard sometimes mm -hmm. to want to go home. So I think, yeah, that's like my biggest thing is like, number one, find good friends. Number two, love the gospel. The scriptures have so much to teach us. Like, even if you just read a verse a night that's all you and that's all you can do just do it it's so simple and I know that's like hard to like it's kind of like dumb to say sometimes because it's like the primary answer is like oh all you have to do is read your scriptures and say your prayers and you'll be fine that's not always the case yeah. um but I found solace in reading my scriptures every night praying every night talking to heavenly father finding good friends and that's how I got through my parents divorce and having my patriarchal blessing that was amazing and huge and if you're thinking about getting a patriarchal blessing do it do it prepare for it pray about it think about it you'll be blessed amen amen i love that thank you for sharing those things addy and um i just say amen to that i think just what you said about those primary answers um, I think yeah. it's so true that a lot of times, you know, filling our life 
with the good things and with light and positivity. They don't, just like you said, they don't necessarily take away or change our circumstances, but it's like they give us the strength, you know, to deal with them and um, can help us out a lot. And so thanks, thanks for sharing that. I know that that could really benefit a lot of people. Um, yeah. So uh, Addie, would you mind, do you, you want to keep, just keep going with your, your story from there? So that's, that, those were some of the experiences yeah, you so. had in high school and, um, and then, but like you told me earlier, even after high school and going to cosmetology school and things, you kind of face some, some new challenges and, um, go ahead and yeah. kind of take us there and a little bit what you went through and what, uh, I guess how you stayed strong through that. For sure. Um, all right. Where do I start? There's a lot happened in the past three years. <laughs> um, high school was great. I, I loved it, even though I had a crazy family. It was so fun. And um, I graduated with a diploma of distinction. I, I worked really hard. I was a super nerdy kid, too. I loved English. AP English was my jam. I was a writer and a reader. Um, <laughs> So high school was great. I had a blast. I was a tennis player. I I went and did like homecoming court my senior year because I was like, dude, I didn't do any of this stuff. Like, come on, Caitlin, my best friend at the time. Come on, Caitlin, mm-hmm. come do homecoming court with me because it's going to be funny and nobody's going to know who we are because we're just these two random girls. So I did that and that was so fun. And then I graduated high school and that was a huge accomplishment for me because I was like, man, look at what I've done even though my family was a little hard and despite my struggles and my anxiety and like the little bit of depression that I experienced during high school, I was able to do that. I was able to go and find a way to use my energy and like dispel of my anger through just like going to high school and learning and growing and finding my friends and playing tennis and going to college classes and doing all these things um there's so many different ways that we can learn and grow um and that's what heavenly father wants for us too is to not only grow spiritually but to grow and learn temporally because not only is he like this awesome amazing god of spiritual amazingness he's a god of science he's a god of order he wants us to learn he's like the most perfect chemist the most perfect english teacher he is amazing and he wants us to learn So I graduated high school and I started to figure out like, okay, what do I want to do? I originally thought I wanted to be a mechanic. Obviously I did not do that. And um, I was working at Jiffy Loop and I was like, okay, this is actually really cool. I love working with my hands. Okay, but I don't want to be a mechanic. So what do I do with that? Like, where do I go? Um, And my mom was kind of like, you're, you've always been like really good about like doing other people's hair. Um, Maybe you should try cosmetology school. There's one opening up five minutes away from our house. Let's check that out. And I was like, what? Like, okay. I mean, that'd be super fun. I love doing other people's hair. And I think a lot of people were really surprised when I announced that I was going to cosmetology school because so many people expected me to go to college and to become Mm -hmm. a teacher or a counselor or something like that because that was a big dream of mine I was always like I want to be a teacher or a counselor or maybe something else I don't know I want to go to college but then I was like hang on I really like working with my hands and 
talking to people and maybe hair school is a good idea. Let me think about that. And I think it's kind of funny because also I would show up to school looking like a scrub every day. My hair would be pulled back in a ponytail. I'd be wearing like my athletic wear for tennis or sweats and like, a, <laughs> I just looked tired <laughs> because I was so busy, but it was also senior year and I just didn't care anymore. I was just there to learn and have fun. And I think that was also really surprising to people too. Cause I would rarely wear makeup. I would rarely do my hair. I would do like maybe some mascara, throw my hair in a ponytail. Maybe I would do braids. Mm -hmm. Occasionally I'd curl my hair. That's about it. Um, so when I announced that I was going to cosmetology school, people were like, you the girl who works at jiffy lube and who never does her hair and doesn't really care about that stuff you are oh, going right. to cosmetology so i went to cosmetology school uh, a month after i graduated high school i started at june of 2018 so i was just booked and busy i just kept going um but that was hard too i didn't get a break um i barely had a month of break and even during that month, I was gone in Europe for like a whole week. So I had mm -hmm. two weeks of summer break before I started school again. Um, so that was interesting. Um, I mean, I was grateful for it. I just got to like start doing something that I love and I'm very passionate about. Um, and I learned a lot. But I was also like killing myself because I was so busy. I was going to hair school Monday through Wednesday and they were 10 hour days or nine hours in a little 10 hour day or something like that and then Thursday through Friday I was working at Jiffy Loop I was working these 10 hour shifts and then I was going to church and I was also in a YSA ward so I was trying to date boys and like figure things out and be like okay I still want to serve a mission but I still want to date people and get to know people because I'm in a singles ward and it's fun um so I was doing all these things and I was just pushing myself so far I was basically working 70 hour weeks. I was barely home. I wasn't getting enough sleep. I was so tired and I didn't realize it. I didn't even know. Like I was so unaware of how tired and exhausted I was like, and I didn't realize it until I started looking back at pictures and until I started seeing a therapist. And that was a huge turning point in my life. I saw my first therapist, which is kind of weird not a lot of people see therapists or a lot of people do and they just don't talk about it but therapy is amazing and i recommend it to everyone i think everyone should see a therapist at least once in their life if it's only just for one session or maybe you need it a few times a month or maybe you need it every week for five years who cares therapists are amazing and that's what i've yeah, learned can i can i ask um, you something on that addy yeah um just so I'm sure, because you just brought up some great points that sometimes there's kind of a stigma with therapy and sometimes there's things that hold us back from going. Um, right. What, what, what helped you, what, what pushed you to just finally go? And then, and then you can go ahead and, and, and share just how it benefited you. Yeah, of course. So really, uh, it wasn't my idea. I didn't necessarily care about it. I... I didn't really understand what therapy was. I like heard about it from a few friends who had been through kind of similar experiences to me. And they were like, yeah, I see a therapist, but they didn't talk very much about it. They were just like, yeah, I go to a therapist. And that was it. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay. Like, obviously it's not that much, not very important if you don't want to share very much about it. 
Um, so mm-hmm. that was kind of like my idea of therapy for a long time. Like, okay, we have therapists. That's cool. Like some people go and some people don't. Awesome. And then it wasn't until like, I was, my mom noticed, she was the one who noticed that I was kind of struggling. I was having a hard time and I was pushing myself too hard. I was running faster than I could manage. I was just exhausted and I didn't realize it. And, um, so she was like, okay, I think we need to take our kids to therapy. Like they need a therapist. They need someone to help guide them and someone mm-hmm. who can listen and give them advice and help them cope and create boundaries and set up healthy mental patterns, ways of thinking. And mm-hmm. I like still was kind of hesitant to go. I remember being kind of like, I don't really think I need to see a therapist. Like I'll go because you want me to. And uh, she's a member of the church too. And a therapist like, okay, cool. She'll understand like my point of view because I'm a member of the church and that's an intrinsic part of my personality. I love the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of a big thing that I was like, okay, well, if I do see a therapist, I want them to be a member of the church so that they can understand the spiritual aspect of, of me because we have some very unique principles and things that we do that lots of other religions don't understand um so I remember the first time I went I was like super uncomfortable like being willing to trust this stranger named Georgia I was like hi Georgia how are you like what am I supposed to do here (laughs) I don't understand like this is the first time I've gone to a therapist um so it was really awkward um my first time going and Georgia is a sweet little old lady and I love her, but she also wasn't the best therapist for me. Um, and that's okay. Like, it's okay to try different therapists. Like, wait, that's wait, something say why, will you share? I'm so dead. I'm so dead of what you told me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, Georgia, flag. Maybe bless her heart. <laughs> looking for therapists. Oh my goodness. Um, bless her little heart. She's this sweet little lady. And I would come and see her after cosmetology school. So it would be late at night, but she literally fell asleep during my sessions. <laughs> I'd be sitting there like venting to her and being like, I don't understand why my dad's doing this. And I don't know why my mom's mad at me. And I'm so scared. And I'd be like, totally like in this, like, crazy state which is okay like that's why we go to therapy because it's that's a safe place to do that and be crazy because that's their job but Mm -hmm. Georgia was sleeping and I was like Georgia (laughs) why what wake up Georgia (laughs) know what's going on (laughs) and I didn't realize that at first I was like it took me a long time to find out that she was literally falling asleep while I was talking to her and I was like (laughs) Do you even know what was happening in my life? Um, and the, the way I caught her, so literally, okay, this was my perspective. Like she was like sitting there, like over here, like kind of like with her little journal like this and she'd just have her eyes closed and she'd be sitting like this, just with her pen to the paper and not writing or anything, but she'd like occasionally like nod her head, but her eyes would be closed. <laughs> and so I'm over here thinking oh like, my gosh. wow, she's like so zen and 
she's so peaceful. Like she's closing her eyes and like listening to me and nodding her head. She was asleep. She was asleep. <laughs> and the oh only reason I figured it out is because bawling my eyes one time while she was doing this and I was like and she didn't respond and I was like Georgia Georgia oh, and she was like what were you oh, saying no. and I was like oh um I guess I'll just You're say spilling all my <laughs> heart and soul out to you right no biggie so it was like a little heartbreaking and I was just like Georgia I thought I could trust you like what but honestly, I would consider Georgia a friend now. Like, she's just a sweet little lady. Maybe she needs to retire. I don't know. I don't know. But, <laughs> um, but another big thing is that therapists, they don't want you to stay with them if they're not helping you. So it's okay to find, like, mm -hmm. a better therapist or someone that you click with or connect with better because that's what they want. They want you to grow. Mm -hmm. They want you to succeed. They want you to be better they want you to learn and grow and just they want to see you coming back better every time and if you come back worse that's okay they're there to help you they're literally yeah. professional listeners and professional advice givers it, it's my favorite thing because I'm like I just need someone to talk to I don't want to talk to my mom I don't want to talk to my sister I don't want to even talk to my best friend I want to talk to Sterling my therapist because he's super cool and he gets me yeah so. so can I ask you because therapy helped you a lot with um just yeah. with that time right as you, in that in that time when you're going to school and we when you were so busy can I ask you just what were what were some of the some of the action items I mean some of the things that you did that helped you deal with your anxiety and depression and all those stressful things I mean what were some things that you applied I mean did you have to cut some things out or did you have to prioritize things or was it just a mindset or planning I mean what, what were some of the things that helped, that you applied maybe from therapy or whatever that helped you in that time? Actually, almost everything you mentioned were things that I had to do. Um, cutting things out. I had to cut Georgia out. Sorry, Georgia. I love you, but got to break up with you. Like you're not helping me in the way that I need help. Um, mm -hmm. So I had to kind of like, bye Georgia. And I didn't even have to do it, thankfully, um, which was like another sign that like Georgia wasn't really paying attention because she was like, Addie, you're doing great. Like you're in hair school, you're in church, you're working, you're so busy, you're amazing. Like, wow, good job. Um, invite me to your graduation and I'll see you there you're doing awesome. You don't need to come see me anymore. And I was like, okay, cool. And started again. I was overworking myself again and again, and I was just super exhausted. And then in 2019, when I graduated um, cosmetology school, I got super, super stressed because I had started another job. I quit Jiffy Lube and I started another job called PF Chang's. Um, I, I was a food runner at PF Chang's. Um, and it was stressful. Working in the, in the food industry and in a restaurant like that is so stressful and it's exhausting, especially because I would have to work these crazy night shifts and I'd be there till like midnight every night and mm -hmm. I'd be like cleaning afterwards and it was, it was, it was a labor intensive job, it was exhausting, it was time consuming, 
and I still went to cosmetology school and I still went to church and I still went to family home evening and I still went to institute and I still was just gone all the time. And so like Georgia was a sweet lady, but obviously she didn't teach me anything because I just continued the same habits that made me so sad and so depressed and mm -hmm. so unaware yeah. of how bad the depression was in my life. Um, so after that, like I kind of had a mental breakdown. I moved to Utah for a few months and it was just crazy stuff because I was like, oh my gosh, I just need a break. I got my license and I took my exams and I'm a licensed cosmetologist, yay. But I'm so, I was just pushed past my limit so many times. Like I was, I should have been here and I was like up here. Like it just mm. was like way too much. Um, so learning to, scale back that was something I had to learn when some of my social time um that was hard and learning to not work so hard was really hard for me because I'd always just been this super go-getter hard worker just do it all person like I want to do everything and I want to be good at everything I do and it's hard to have that expectation for yourself sometimes because that's perfectionism. And we aren't meant to be perfect. We're human, we're imperfect, but it's so cool because life is long. We have a long time to develop these attributes and skills. We have a long time to learn and grow and meet people. And it's okay to kind of cut those things out for a little bit, even though it might be hard. And it was really hard for me. Um, so I moved to Utah for a few months and I was still kind of in a bad headspace. I wasn't really getting the help I needed and some other crazy things happened and it was just rough. And so I was like, I just want to move from New Mexico and I just want to get away from New Mexico and run away from my problems again. And I, uh, so I moved to Utah and I did it again. I worked myself too hard. I started going to another YSA ward. I was living in Payson and I would go to Provo all the time. So I was like literally commuting everywhere every day and mm -hmm. I was working two jobs while I was there and I just can like again the same cycle of just pushing myself too hard too fast so when I came back home in 2020 um I started seeing a new therapist and again I didn't want to go back to therapy because I thought I was fine I was very unaware yeah. and I was like dude I'm doing good like I'm working hard and like, do you see all the things I've accomplished? And I'm only, I'm not even 20 years old yet. Like, look at me, I'm awesome. But really, look at me, I'm sad, I'm hollow. Look at the pictures. They're the proof that you really aren't awesome right now. You really aren't doing very well. You're having a hard time and that's okay. And I had to learn that. And I had to learn it the hard way too because I wasn't willing to give up things. I wasn't willing to take a step back and be like, okay, let me reprioritize. Let me reevaluate my life. I wasn't willing to do that. And I didn't want to seek the help that I really desperately needed. So my mom, again, was like, okay, I found a new therapist and his name is Sterling. And I was like, wait, a man? A man therapist? No. Like, what? that's weird. I want to see a female. Like I'm, I'm female. I want to see a female. So that was interesting at first, but holy goodness. Let me tell you about Sterling. He's the coolest guy I've ever met. 
he's the coolest therapist I've ever met. And he's only 33 or something. Like he's, he's a young guy. He's accomplished a lot. He has his own practice. He has his PhD and he's this amazing psychotherapist. And okay, all right, mom, maybe I'll go see, th- maybe I'll go see Sterling. Maybe I'll go check him out and see if he's okay. He's also a member of the church. That's good. I definitely think that's important because that's a huge part of my life. Again, like that's something that will never change about me. And I hope never changes about me because that has also brought me the most peace in my life besides therapy. So I gave Sterling a shot and I'm super blunt and honest with you. I might not be here today. And that was something that I had to learn the hard way. Um, in 2020, after I got my mission call, things went downhill real fast. And I didn't understand why. Because I was like, Heavenly Father, I've wanted to serve a mission since I was like 13 years old. And I finally have my mission call. I've been waiting for this for so long. And I didn't get it when I was 19 because I was struggling and I was having a hard time. And I didn't get it when I was 20 right away because I was struggling, I was having a hard time. But I have it, I have this mission call. And why am I so sad? Why am I so scared right now? Why am I doubting so much of what I know? And I had to go see Sterling again. Even after I'd seen him from May of 2020 to like June or July of 2020. And we went through and hashed out a lot of trauma from and stresses and crazy things that happened from my parents' divorce and like a crazy thing that happened from the YSA ward and a crazy thing that happened in Utah. We figured all that stuff out, but there's still more. And this was Heavenly Father telling me, you still haven't learned. You haven't reprioritized. You haven't cut out the things that are making you stressed and making you, you're still a good person. You're still a good person, but I need you to slow down. I need you to take a break. I need you to stop and rethink and reevaluate and figure out why these things are happening. And I couldn't, I couldn't. And it's so Can I ask hard you and something very disheartening on that? because yeah, of course. Just just what 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 made it hard for you? Was it just like slowing down or why why was it why do you I, you know because now you've kind of learned and but looking back, I mean, what made it hard for you to slow down and do those things that you knew that you should do? Right. Um so to to go a little bit deeper on like the psychological aspect of what I experienced, um, I was pushed into, so I got my mission called November 3rd of 2020. And, you know, it's during a pandemic, we're all kind of at home. And I think a lot of us are experiencing more depression than usual because we don't get to see our friends and we don't get to socialize. So that was a big issue. And then after I got my mission call, I went on this Thanksgiving trip with my father and his um, my new stepmom and her family. And it was really stressful and hard because I didn't know them very well. And 
it's not that I don't love my dad and it's not that I don't love Sherry, his new wife. It was just scary and hard because I didn't know these people very well, but I wanted to go on this Thanksgiving trip to California camping <laughs> because my siblings were going to be there. And I was like, I want to be there with them because Thanksgiving is like such a good family holiday. Like that's where you get together, you get to eat good food and have fun. Mm -hmm. And we were going to California and camping. Sounds like a blast. So I was like, cool, I'll go. I was, I was a little like worried about going. I didn't really, 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 really like want to go because I was like, my mom's going to be home all by herself for Thanksgiving. Like that's sad. Um, so there was definitely like a part of me where I was like, oh, I want to go because I want to be with my siblings, but oh, I don't want to go because this, this, and this. Um, and it was really hard, especially because of like the choices that my dad has been making in his life. And he's not necessarily an exemplar of the best member you could be of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, and that's been hard to watch, especially because he served a mission himself. And I was like, dad, like you served a mission. You taught these people like about Jesus Christ. Why aren't you following him? Like what is going on? So that made it really hard to want to go as well. But I went and after that trip, actually during that trip, I was pushed into this fear and anxiety induced coma basically called catatonia, um, which is a depressive state where essentially you, for me, I felt like a zombie and I couldn't comprehend things very well. I couldn't talk very well sometimes, but especially during this trip, I felt so sick the whole time. I didn't really understand why. I knew I was like really scared and I was feeling a lot of stress and anxiety. And that's part of the reason that I was feeling sick, but I was also had this new stage of depression very new for me and my family. And a lot of people aren't very, a lot of another aspect of it is, um, you hear the term a lot with depression and anxiety called dissociation or dissociative episodes. So it's really hard to differentiate between catatonia and dissociation, disassociation. Um, because they're very similar, but catatonia is much more severe and has to be treated with medication. Um, so during the trip, I remember just feeling super sick. I couldn't sleep at all. And the only times that I could sleep is because I was just so exhausted from not sleeping that I would just crash and just sleep because I couldn't stay awake anymore. Um, I, and it was just really hard. It was really hard to go through that experience. Um, but after, when I returned home from the trip, I couldn't even drive my own car back to New Mexico. And the trip from Flagstaff to New Mexico is only like four hours, four and a half hours tops. And I couldn't even drive my own car and my own siblings back. It was so bad. Um, and I, I was in this catatonic state from the end of November to the middle of January. And there were times when I just felt so alone. I just felt like there's no hope. And there were days when I couldn't talk. I couldn't comprehend things. There were even days that I couldn't recognize the people I had known my whole life. And 
for me, that was extremely scary, extremely new, and just unknown. It wasn't familiar to me. I wasn't used to having so much fear and so much doubt in my mind constantly. And it was just heartbreaking. And I felt like I was literally in the pit of despair. Like I just felt alienated from and isolated from myself and from my life and from my family because I couldn't communicate. I couldn't even talk. I couldn't even recognize the people that I love and I've known my whole life. And it's scary. It's so scary. And I wouldn't, I, I always say this, I would not ever wish that experience on my worst enemy because there were nights when I would go to bed thinking I'd rather not wake up in the morning. I'd rather be gone. And that was really hard because I remember I would be, I would wake up in a panic at night and I had to sleep in the same room as my mom. And I'd wake up in a panic, just frozen in fear. And the only thing I could do was lift my hands to look at them in the dark and be like, who am I? Who am I? I, can't, I don't even know myself anymore. Where did Addie go? And why isn't she here? Because this is my body and I know I'm here, but where am I? And it was just so horrific. It was horrible. And it was also awful to watch my siblings and see my family struggle with me because they didn't know what was going on. They didn't know how to help me. And I didn't know how to help me because I didn't know what was going on. So I went back to Sterling. And my mom brought me back to Sterling and was like, Addie, you really need help. I don't know what to do. You're losing weight. You're barely eating. You're a skin and bone person. Like you're a skeleton and I don't even recognize you and you don't even recognize yourself. It was so hard to look in the mirror. And she was like, we need to go see Sterling. And I didn't want to. And I was so scared. I was like, but if I see Sterling, he's going to be disappointed in me. He's going to, I'm going to be ashamed and I am ashamed because I failed but it wasn't my fault it wasn't all my fault and that was a really big hurdle that I had to overcome a really huge stumbling block in my life that I had to turn into a step instead of a block and it took a long time um, I was in that catatonic state for about two and a half months before I was willing to take the medication I'm on right now. Um, and I'm so, so grateful for my mom. She is the one who pushed me to go back to Sterling. She's the one who found Sterling in the first place, the therapist who I love and who I trust and who is amazing. And she brought me back and she stepped, she stood with me every step of the way when I couldn't stand myself when I could barely walk to the bathroom, let alone to walk to therapy. So that was huge for me. And also just the countless amount of friends that I'd created throughout my life because of seminary, because of church, because of tennis, because of cosmetology school, who stood with me when I couldn't stand myself. It was almost like they were my Jesus. 
they were the physical person who could be my savior in those moments because Christ, I love him and I prayed and I talked to him and I love him and I can feel him. You can feel his presence spiritually, but he can't be here physically with us right now. And so those people were my saviors. They were my best friends. They were my confidants and the people that I knew I could trust and love and let into my life again when I felt like I could trust no one. I couldn't even trust myself. And I went back to Sterling and he helped me through it and really helped diagnose this catatonia because another thing with catatonia, it gets misdiagnosed all the time as multiple personality disorder. So that's crazy. Like, I don't want multiple personality disorder. Like what? I'm not, that's not me. I'm not, I don't have that. And he was able to correctly diagnose me. He was able to give me the medication I needed to bring me back to life and bring me back to me. And I'm finally home. I'm back because I was finally willing to trust the people I needed to desperately trust. And that was hard. It was so hard, especially when I felt like God had abandoned me because I felt so hopeless and so alone. And I'm here now and I'm living proof that therapy works. Therapists are amazing. They're coaches, they're our guides. They're these beautiful people who are willing to listen to you and hear your problems and help you learn to overcome them and to cope with them and create these boundaries and create these ways to live again and become a normal person or a better person or just become the best version of you. Love that. Wow. Well, I mean, that's a lot, Addie. Thank you so much. Thank you for being open and vulnerable about all these things. Um, There's so much power. There's just so much power in your story, you know, and the things that you've learned and and uh, the things that you've overcome and uh, and now I, I love it what you just said looking back I'm an example of of this and, and of um, and, and to me and I'm sure to the listeners you're an example of strength and of not giving up and um, I, I wanted to ask you what um, just kind of uh, in, in closing here and, and in conclusion well well first thing actually yeah no I want to ask this so I mean, okay. what would be your your advice? What what would be your advice? Let's say there, there's a young woman or or a young man struggling with similar things. Uh, what what yeah. would you say to them? I mean, if you could if you could talk to them or if you could, uh, what what would be your advice if someone's kind of in a dark place or if they're struggling with some of these things that you are? I mean, you are blessed with amazing friends and your mom. You know, there. Wow, what an angel. Um, her being there to to lift you and support you Um, there might be a listener who who doesn't have some of these some of these people and some of these things what what advice would you give them what love and support how would you love on them and uh yeah honestly even with those friends and my mom there were times when I felt like I couldn't trust them I literally felt like even though I've known them my whole life I was like I don't want to talk to you I don't trust you. I'm scared. I don't, I don't like you right now because I hate myself. And 
So when you hate yourself and you're like struggling with your own self-esteem and self-confidence and you're just sad and depressed, you don't want to talk to people. Not at all. You just want to say, leave me alone. Don't talk to me. I, I don't want to listen anyways. And I'm just going to alienate myself. I'm going to isolate myself and I'm going to go to my room and cry alone because I don't want help. And I would do that. I would go and sit in my room and just cry. Or I would go and sit in my room and just lay on my bed feeling just hollow. And I just felt, just try, just try. If, it, if you feel like you need help and you just feel so alone, just try to find someone who you feel like you can trust. And maybe if they're not gonna help you, just find someone who you know will listen. It could be anyone and see if they'll help you get the help that you need. Because it's hard to be willing to say, I'm struggling and I'm having a hard time and I need help. That was hard for me. It was so hard to admit that to myself. It was so hard to admit that to other people. And the truth is, Satan wants you to feel that way. He wants you to feel like you are garbage. He wants you to feel like the scum of the earth. He wants you to feel alone. And he doesn't want you to get help because he wants you to be miserable just like him. And that's how I always was, is when I chose to give in to those doubts and those fears, I was miserable. I was just like Satan. I was choosing these awful things and I was becoming this horrible person that I didn't want to be. And I, it hurt me. So the biggest thing is Satan's going to work hard on you, especially because he knows how good you are. He knows how much you can change and how much you can grow. And he knows how many people you're going to change if you choose to be better. If you choose to get help, you're going to grow. You're going to become beautiful. You're going to become better. You're going to become cool and the best version of yourself because you're getting help and you're choosing to love yourself and put yourself first for once. And that's okay. Self-care is so important. And it's really hard to take that time and to be selfish and to finally focus on yourself. And I wouldn't even say that's selfish. I think that's selfless because you're choosing to stay and you're choosing to work on you and become the best version of you so you can help others and find friends and find people who are going to love you because you're amazing. Wow. So powerful. Thank you so much for, for sharing that, Addy. Um, so, so I guess just the last thing and, and kind of with that, I'd love to ask um, just w w one last one last question and I'll, and I'll just let you finish out here. Um, what has that self-love looked like for you now? I mean, with your perspective and with everything that you've been through now, what does that self-love um, look like that? And, um, and just give us a little bit where you're at right now, kind of, um, and looking forward in your life. Yeah. So for me, um, my, my situation is pretty unique and that catatonic state is really hard to get out of because you have to have it, you have to take medication. And that was really scary for me 
And that was one way that I had to choose to love myself is by choosing to take a medication, to take it literally a drug that is actually going to help my brain and help balance the chemicals in my brain that I physically couldn't balance. I couldn't balance those chemicals myself. And that's why we have modern medicine and why we have therapists and why we have psychiatrists and why we have doctors. Heavenly Father blessed us with these people and these resources to be better and to help us. We just have to choose to be responsible with it and be wise. Um, word of wisdom, like be wise about what you take into your body, whether it's something you're eating, drinking, or taking for your brain. Be wise. Um, so I'm on a medication right now that is, it's a pretty, it's a pretty heavy medication and it's pretty high up there. It's an, it's an Ativan and a benzodiazepine. Um, so to talk a little bit about that, mine is called lorazepam and you have to taper off of it to be able to use it effectively. And it's designed purely as a temporary drug. The longest someone has been on it has been four months. And it's, for me, it was designed as a, it's, it was used as a catalyst to push me out of that depression, to push me into normalcy again, and to get my brain actually working. My brain was literally in a survival state where it was purely just focused on keeping my body alive because I couldn't do it myself. Um, so this drug that I'm on, this medication I'm on, is just purely helping synapses connect in my brain. And it helps me breathe better so I don't have a panic attack. It helps to reduce and relieve stress and anxiety so that I can function and not be so scared. Um, and um, I've been on it since the end of January and I had to take, it took me a long time to be willing to accept that I needed more help than just going to therapy. So that was one way that I chose to love myself is I chose to go to therapy with my mom and then I took the next step into an even further unknown. Nobody in my family, except for my dad, has taken a medication for their brain. And it's kind of really scared about because when we talk about the word of wisdom, you don't want to become dependent or addicted to something. That's just, and that can be anything. That could be chocolate. Like you could become addicted to chocolate. But like to be on a medication that is potentially addiction or dependency forming, that was really scary for me. Um, but I chose to trust my therapist. I chose to tr trust the psychiatrist. I chose to trust the doctor and I chose to trust the doctors and medical professionals and like my therapist, they will know exactly what you need. And you just need to trust them because they will guide you to what you need with modern medicine and science to fix your brain. So that was really hard. Um, and that was like one of the first steps in choosing to love myself as being willing to not only go to therapy, but to take the next step into the unknown and take this medication. The second thing I would say is learning to scale back and take out those stressors. The two biggest things my therapist said when I started this medication and when I started going back to him during this catatonic period of my life 
was one, you need to get enough sleep. You need to go to bed at a good time and wake up as late as you need. You need to be getting enough sleep. So that was another way that I chose to love myself is saying, hey, I'm going to bed early because I'm really tired. And in that state for so long, my brain was like not used to focusing on anything except for keeping my body alive. So being on this medication, it's mentally exhausting as well. So you need more sleep. And even when you're not on a medication, sleep is so important, especially when you're young. Um, Cause you're growing, your body's growing and your brain is growing and developing and you're learning. And honestly, I love sleeping. Like it's a good refuge from the world. You can just sleep and not worry. So that was another way I chose to let myself was getting to bed on time and making sure that I was waking up uh, not necessarily sleeping in too late, but waking up at a decent time so that I could experience the day and live it to the fullest. Any big stress in your life because you're starting medication and you're just barely starting at a tonic state. So, yeah. Um, so I had to quit doing hair, which is a huge passion of mine. I'm a cosmetologist. I love it. I love being able to be around people and help make them feel be- feel beautiful through doing their hair but I had to stop doing that because because I was so passionate about it and because I loved it so much it's a stressor for me because I care and I'm stressed enough to care about these people and want them to have their hair goals met um so I had to take that out of my life and then I also had to take seeing friends out of my life for a long time because I was scared to see them on this medication because I didn't know how it was going to affect me. Um, I had to take my dad out of my life. I had to take some of my family members out of my life who didn't understand what was going on. And they were like, why aren't you serving postponing your mission call? I was like, so I'm just going to cut you out of my life for a little bit and just like say hi every once in a while and be like, hey, I'm doing okay, I'm on my medication now, and I'm getting better, I'm healing. Um, So those were like huge things, is getting enough sleep, finally taking that, finally doing the work to get better, allowing Christ into my life. Whether that was through prayer, whether that was through singing, whether that was through playing piano. I'm a pianist and I love playing hymns. And during my catatonic state, sometimes that was the only thing I could do was play piano to feel peace. And there were times when I couldn't even remember how to play the piano. So when that was taken away from me, it felt like my last saving grace, my last sense of solace was gone. And once I got that back, it's been so therapeutic for me because it helped me remember who I was. And, and through the scriptures and going back to institute and going to church and worthily partaking of the sacrament every Sunday, renewing those baptismal, baptismal covenants and promising to always remember him. That was huge. And that has been so instrumental in my life. Another thing that I love to do is listen to Gonna Be Sad. I throw on a general conference talk or I play press play to start listening to scriptures. And sometimes you still have those sad days and general conference talks, listening to scriptures, listening to uplifting music and being able to just, and I love playing piano. And so one way that I would find solace, especially during my catatonic state is I would play hymns and try to sing along. 
and sometimes I couldn't remember how to play the piano and that was really hard because not only was I losing memories and not being able to recognize people in my life I couldn't even play piano which I'd learned to play since I was little and that was like a huge part of my life and when that was taken from me and I couldn't even find peace and solace in playing piano because I physically couldn't remember and I couldn't do it finally being on this medication and being able to actually do the things that I've loved and who are that are a part of me has been so therapeutic and healing and there are still hard days even on this medication even on this super crazy medication that keeps me going and keeps me working and keeps me anxiety free basically I still have sad days when I wake up I'll wake up some mornings and I'll just be super sad or I'd listen to uplifting music and that would be my solace or I would go play piano and I would cry while I played piano and that's okay it's okay to cry and just release because without that sadness there is no joy without that opposition and that negativity we can't truly experience any happiness or any joy we would be innocent we'd be like so naive we wouldn't even understand what joy was so it's okay to be sad it's still okay to wake up and just be like i'm sad today and i'm gonna cry for a little bit but then you get to choose if you're gonna let that sadness control you or if you're gonna just be sad but still do things still do the things that you love because mm -hmm. that's what's truly is going to heal you and what's truly going to help you is if you push past that sadness, push past that anger, push past that fear and push yourself, set goals and just do the things that you love because when that's taken away from you, it makes it so much more difficult. So do the things you love while you can and while you're able to, because you never know when that could be taken. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much, Addie. This has all been so amazing. Really appreciate you taking the time and sharing yeah. all these powerful experiences and principles. And I know that this is going to bring a lot of value um, to people listening, especially those struggling with similar things. And so just thank you so much, Addie. Um, what, how can the, how can the people, how can the people reach you? What's the best way for them to reach out if they want to reach out or ask yeah. some questions? Or... I would love for people to reach out to me. I, that's like one of my favorite things is being able to share my story because there's so much power in being able to share experiences with other people and let them know you're not yeah. alone and you're like me. Um, so I have an Instagram and a Facebook and they're both um so my name is Addison Poetry Hyatt um my Instagram handle is at Addison Poetry and then my Facebook is Addison Poetry Hyatt it's pretty easy to find um you can find me easily there and just shoot me a message or even if you just like comment on my post or something there are other um posts on my Instagram and on my Facebook page where I've shared other parts of my story um where I've talked about some disordered eating patterns that I developed and had to um, recreate and create better eating habits because that's also a struggle that's a huge struggle in this world right now um, so if you if you just want to shoot me a message you can comment on my post and be like hey I heard 
this podcast you were on. I'd love to talk to you. Sure. I'd love to talk to you too. It'd be awesome. I love making new friends. I love meeting new people. I don't care. It'll be fun. We'll find something to talk about. I'm a huge concert junkie. I love music and concerts. So if you want to shoot me some new music to listen to, I'm all ears. And I'll give you recommendations too. So there's another thing that we can find common ground on. Um, or if you want to share a scripture with me, let's talk about scriptures. I love the Book of Mormon. I love the Bible. I love the standard works. And I love general conference talks. So if we want to, if you want to talk to me about that, I'm preparing to serve a mission, man. Like send me all the things I want to learn. I want to be so prepared to teach these people in Michigan that I can't even hold it all in. So share what you want with me or come to me and ask me for help. Ask me why I went through these things. What, how did you overcome that? If I didn't mention something that you were thinking about. Because there's so many other ways that I learned to cope and create boundaries and healthy communication skills and just beautiful ways to reconnect with my family and the people that I love in my life who I hurt when I was in my worst state. Because it happens, especially in teenage years, you just, you're hormonal, you're going through a lot of stress and you're just kind of angsty sometimes, you know, like you just want to like punch someone and you can't, like you can't just punch someone. So you're going to yell at them instead. Right. <laughs> um, so far from being perfect. Like I, <laughs> I yelled at my mother and it still happens to me and I'm almost 21. Like it can be any age and you can still be ex experiencing the same exact problems I still experience and I'm still learning. So I'm totally okay to ask me questions or just talk about me French. So if someone wants to learn French, hit me up. I love it. So I'm all ears. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much, Addie, for being on here. And yeah, I encourage you guys to hit her up, um, follow her and, and, uh, and go find her and talk about French and music and all the things. But uh, thank you guys for, for <laughs> tuning in. This is Dear Younger Me and just hope you guys have a great day.